0: Welcome to A Slice of Orange, a podcast on politics in North Orange County, California, with me, Jody Balma, Professor of Political Science at Fullerton College. And today's guest is Assemblywoman Sharon Cork-Silva, who represents a large portion of North Orange County. Her legislative focus is on housing and homelessness, education, public safety, and mental health. Prior to being elected to the Assembly, she served on the Fullerton City Council for eight years and spent decades in the classroom as a teacher. One of 10 kids growing up in Fullerton, she's an alumna of Fullerton College, UCLA, and Cal State Fullerton. She has four young adult children, and her husband, Jesus Silva, serves on the Fullerton City Council and is a teacher in Fullerton. So welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate you spending some time with us. The questions I've got, so let's start with the biggest story of 2020, not just a pandemic with devastating health risks, but also an economic shutdown that has challenged our state in ways we never imagined. Businesses are closed, people are hurting, and the demands of the state and local government are soaring at a time when revenues are low. How do you balance those needs with fiscal reality, and what can the state do to help our local communities and people?
1: That is a tough question to start off, but first, thank you for having me. Uh, I think one of the major things that uh, is noted is with local government, state government, and even our counties, Uh, Revenue, as you stated, is not coming in because businesses are being closed. So the state has found itself in a fifty-five million dollar budget deficit. That simply is incredibly difficult to uh, not only deal with, but especially after us coming in starting the year with a focus on housing and homelessness. So it's tough. I would say, and that's that's billion with a B, right? That's right, billion. And I I would say some. We are not all in this together, which basically means that uh, we know that some families are able to get remote work. We know that, uh, some are, uh, able to find space in their homes to work, but many others are living in very close density. Many others are frontline workers. And as we face COVID-19, we've seen Mm -hmm. the devastation for individual families with losing loved ones, particularly high in our African-American and Latino communities. So it has been very difficult work, but important work.
0: So the legislative session just ended August 31st, or to be exact, the early morning of September 1st, you continued on in the morning. First, um, what bill is on the governor's desk that you most want to see signed, whether it's yours or somebody else's? What do you think uh, he needs to sign first?
1: Uh, well, he actually signed the bill that was very important to me, which was uh, an extension of the eviction moratorium and that he signed uh, right after it was sent to him, so that was a few days ago, and the urgency was that on September 1st, families would start to uh, face the eviction process. Now, it's not a perfect bill. We know that there will still be uh, individuals facing eviction. Those would be individuals that were already in the process of eviction before COVID hit, but uh, There's a little bit of reprieve for those that are facing eviction because of COVID. They'll have to show uh, that their circumstances are due to COVID and Mm -hmm. pay 25% of the rent rent up until February 1st. But we know that's not enough. We're going to have to come back either in January or work with the federal government to work with us on solutions as well as banks. So we still have work to do.
0: Right. And and one of the reasons I think that an eviction moratorium is so important is because, you know, it is expensive to be poor. Um and and that, and, and the housing insecurity one of one you know you, you know our our nonprofit partner Pathways of Hope works really hard to stop people from being evicted because the cost is so much higher once someone exactly. loses
1: and, no. and what people don't always know is that once somebody has been evicted, not only does that stay on their housing record, but it makes it incredibly difficult for them to find uh, right. future housing. And in addition to being evicted, if they then fall into homelessness, it can take years to right. not only recover. And matter of fact, I just read an article that said some of the people that lost housing uh, in the New Orleans uh, back when we had right. the huge um, storm was right. it a storm hurricane. Uh, they're just recovering now. Yeah, so it, it's we yeah. want to do everything we want can do to keep them in their homes.
0: Yeah, good. And so, uh, you know, clearly w- when there's a crisis, the executive takes takes a little more power and the executive orders. So how did the legislature feel about the governor's use of executive powers and orders during the early months of the pandemic?
1: I think initially uh, he he was out in front of it and, and was uh, very bold and aggressive, and we saw results from that. I think of course, none of us knew that the pandemic would be not only uh, right. weeks, but now has turned into months. So with that, uh, the adjustment of getting uh, legislators from both houses back into session, working together with his team, I think uh, some of the legislators, including me, felt like he uh, it went on a little too long that many decisions were con- being mm-hmm. continued to make be made well, we were back in session, and we are wanting more of uh, equal, uh, if you right. want to say, uh, three balance and power, balance. Of, right. right. Uh, right. And, and, and I think we're moving towards getting that by pushing and really saying, hey, we're here. Right, we're back, we're back. Yeah, right. good.
0: So let's, let's go back a little bit. Before you were elected to the assembly, you served on the Fullerton City Council. And after the tragic death of Kelly Thomas, you called for police oversight um, and and really got involved in, uh, you know, talking to the people about what needed to be done. Um, What did you learn that might help us now with the cases of police brutality we see and what kind of reform needs to be done on these local levels?
1: I think what the first response when all of it uh, started was that... uh, we really didn't have a relationship with the police department and I'd say individually and as council members. So an example would be, we might get a report, but we would not, know what was happening internally as far as were there other uh, practices that had been reported. So first, it was understanding what was really happening. Then we had our independent uh, investigator, uh, Janako, and it's been a long time I forgot his first (laughs) name, Uh, but uh, they came in with about 40 reforms, and much of that was transparency. uh, Mm -hmm. And it does go into not only training But uh, what is excessive use? So now at the state, uh, of course, as we've seen, it appears almost every three weeks another um, death that is being questioned by the hands of police. Uh, individuals and so it is not only forcing us but but the taking action to look at uh, what's appropriate and what is not has been moving forward since last year with Dr. Shirley Weber's uh, Mm -hmm. uh, police force bill that I supported but this year we also managed to get out a good handful of police reform bills that are again uh we are hoping that are going to slow down that escalation of deaths. I mean, we certainly don't want to tie, or I don't want to tie uh, individual police uh, or public safety's hand, but we also don't want to continue to see whether uh, it's a young 14-year-old uh, Black individual or a Black man walking and feel like, hey, he might not make it home. He could get right. pulled over. He could. Right. And, and that's been made clear that Again, uh, we assume our experiences are others, but there's nothing like uh, understanding and reading the narratives about whether it's a family, uh, whether it's an individual of what has happened to them, many times being pulled over in a car.
0: Right, right. And and so when you're thinking about police reform and, and now you're at the state level, but your experience at the local level and many in the assembly have that same experience coming from local government. Um, it is so decentralized with, you know, police chiefs being hired by city managers in local government. And so how does the state then come up with police reform? And, and you mentioned your colleague, um, you know, assemblywoman Shirley Weber, um, who's working on things, but, but how is that discussion where you're dealing with local governments and then the state?
1: Well, I think my experience at the local government uh, really has made a difference for me once going to the state. But also, I think it's really you have to take time to listen and to understand uh, that uh, when there are patterns that are being formed and you continue to see those, uh, it's it's. The, this has to be addressed. So mm-hmm. examples are uh, multiple times you'll hear about a police shooting. Sometimes those involved an unarmed, maybe uh, yes. mental health, uh, uh, somebody sure. who has mental health issues. And then later you find out, oh, they really didn't have a gun or or something like th- right. that. So focusing on the de-escalation, which in fact, was about the Kelly Thomas death right. and really analyzing what happened there. And mm-hmm. those tapes are still available. They're still as shocking as they were to me oh. uh, when they came out. I will never understand uh, why that initial uh, police interaction was at such a heightened level by the first police officer that came upon uh, Kelly Thomas. But the second part of it is our mental health system, and mm-hmm. I. I I sadly uh, believe that what 12 years ago was maybe once in a while you might see a homeless mental health individual individual walking around. We now see it regularly, Mm -hmm. people crossing the street with no shoes, people talking, uh, people with baskets, and we haven't done enough at the state under the Mental Health Act to address these issues. We don't have uh, really any type of housing for them. Right, uh, They continue to be chronically um, homeless. And it's, that is one of the major, major issues I still uh, want to see. So it's not only police reform, but in conjunction, us addressing the mental health issues, us addressing right. uh, issues, uh, the pipeline from school to prison. us understanding that we have, uh, well now pandemic, so everything's different, but even at home we say, well, you know, kids are home now. Well, for many kids, they're not home with supervised parents. Again, there's the digital divide and home is not always the safest place. And we've seen that, uh, the numbers go up actually not of, of child, um, abuse calls, they've actually gone down. But the reason is, as many people are noting, is that's because they're home in very unsafe places. Right. So we and have- the, the, the mandatory reporters are not seeing the right, kids. Right, which usually are school officials. Right. Uh, so uh, this year, one of the things that we had focused on was noting the separation of mental health and healthcare in our institutions. And this really causes mental health to have a secondary look. And in many ways, then people see mental health as a stigma. And we really need to have parity with those. Because if an example being a friend has cancer, people rally around that person, bring meals, go to the hospital, right. do what they can. But if somebody has a mental health issue. It's quietly spoken about, maybe don't say too much. And right. those kind of scenarios really make it where many times people don't get the help they need. And right. then this goes back to police, where they may come in contact with somebody uh, that has those issues. And and unfortunately, uh, we've had deaths that have occurred. So them really getting the training, but also looking at models that are popping up across the states and in in other countries that may not initially send out um, a police officer or even a fire um, uh, public safety, but maybe somebody who has a social service background, but also with uh, somebody who could handle a situation that might get Uh, a little volatile. So I know there's pilot in Colorado. Yes. Yes. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think looking at other examples is a really good place to start that we don't have to recreate the wheel when other cultures and societies and governments have come up with good examples. So um, yeah. And I think um, I, I know that a lot of times there are cultural differences for stigma. I know a lot of my Asian students are unlikely to go seek counseling because their parents don't believe that that is what they should be doing. And we have to break down all of those stigmas. Um, so,
1: And I, one of the sad outcomes of, of the pandemic has been increased suicides. And yes. sadly, at Chalk Hosti- Hospital, mm-hmm. which has a adolescent wing, they right. have now seen an increase and uh their huge concern is because they're not able to have access to uh either individuals uh really having um issues that by the time they see them it's too late right
0: it's too late yeah it's mm-hmm. just tragic for so many people so on a Anna- positive note, we'll transition. What advice do you have for young people who want to get involved and make a difference um, in our communities?
1: Say, you know, the future is unknown, but we always have to work towards a brighter future. And that being uh, that within their own power, being able to be involved and engaged as much as they can on whether it's an issue or a group, because I uh, I think the pandemic has really brought out uh, that as people, we need to interact, we need to engage, and mm-hmm. we need to have that connected feeling, but we also need to support each other. If nothing Absolutely. else, in, in this last year or more, there has been so much division that I pe- think people are falling into hopelessness and falling mm-hmm. into... Uh, you know, despair. So, of course, as a politician, I'm going to say uh, get involved, mm-hmm. vote. That is one way that you can make ch- change. But also know that you don't have to be elected to make change. You mm-hmm. can uh, work on issues, whether it's human trafficking, whether it's poverty or food insecurities. And people need support in those mm-hmm. uh, areas now more than ever. Yeah, absolutely. Good. So as we end, I have got a few questions I ask all of my guests. Um, What's the best advice you've ever gotten? Having integrity and being authentic. And Mm -hmm. by integrity, I mean making sure that if somebody is not watching you, you are who you are at home as the same Mm -hmm. as you are uh, out in front and doing things because they're the right thing to do.
0: That's really good advice. Um, What's one book you like to recommend to people?
1: Well, I've been reading quite a few books about uh, immigrants coming over from um, Mexico. And even though that is my background, I hadn't read, if you want to say, novels or narratives Mm -hmm. about uh, that experience. So one one of the books that I just finished is called Always Running by Luis Rodriguez. Okay. He wrote this about uh, his family coming from Mexico and what it was like to settle in the San Bernardino area in the 70s and mm. how he got involved in gangs and mm-hmm. many of his friends were killed. He is now a poet, but it's really a good narrative of looking at what it's like for somebody else to start school, speaking a different language, all of those issues. Luis Rodriguez. Okay, good. We'll put that up on the link. Uh, Is there a
0: hopeful message? You talked a little bit about despair. So what's the hopeful message you can share with our listeners?
1: My hope is that we can come together as neighbors and friends and even relatives because the turmoil related Mm -hmm. to whether it's the presidential election, whether it's losing jobs, whether it's families uh, facing eviction, that the best way to help people are being there to support people. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Good. I like that idea. And then finally, who should we talk to next?
1: Let's see. Uh, I think someone who's really up and coming and... Uh, she is the Garden Grove uh, city council member, Kim Nguyen. Yeah. Um, council member Kim, Kim Nguyen. Her dad is Vietnamese and her mother is Latina. Mm. So th- that's just interesting right. as it is. and. Right she's young so i believe under 30 yes under 30 under 30, under 30. Uh, and she's actually finishing which is seeming her- younger every day yes yeah, her first <laughs> term so i think she started at what 25ish um, wow yeah got elected and it was back in 2016 so yeah so high she's high. up for yeah so she's up for yeah. re-election but she's had some pretty um, dramatic things. And then I don't know if you've been following the Democrat party's thing with Jeff Letourneau. Mm -hmm. I have. Yeah. And, and just stepped down. Yeah. So she really led that effort. Mm -hmm. And, um, and a lot of that was, you know, her father did come, come from that period. And so she wrote an essay that I thought was really well written, but I can get you her contact. I would love that. Yeah. yes. So she, she's she's yeah. she's and then Sarah Khan down there from Irvine yeah down in Irvine yeah she's very interesting mm-hmm. uh, I think as far as just her story and she's a foster mom but she's now running for mayor for um, Irvine and uh, both interesting stories and not your. Uh, usual orange county. Uh, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: and, and orange county is really changing. Um one of the one yes. of the shows I want to do after the election is um you know, to talk about how um how radically orange county has changed in the last 30 years. Um and Well, and- you you'll love it cuz I just
1: had an interview with uh the Orange County Register today. Okay. Yeah, it's changed, but you know, they said it was going to be Sal Rodriguez, so I've never been endorsed by them, and even in the last two elections, they didn't even call for an interview. So Mm -hmm. that's fair enough, you know, but this time they did, and I was like, okay, Um, but sure enough, they added Steve Greenhunt to the, uh, Uh and I should have known, but he wasn't really interested in, they were more interested in uh, propositions like mm-hmm. uh, the twenty-two, the independent contractor, and yeah. that was fine. But then, of course, he asked about pensions and kind of the old stuff from the old stuff. Not that it's not relative, but no, right, but right. I felt like, oh gosh, here we are again. Um, yeah, and he's an funny. he talks like Chris Norby, really loud, and he's like, "Oh okay, gosh, Sharon, what do you think about?" <laughs> so I don't yeah. know. My, my my feeling is it isn't going be very favorable but they have never have been but we yeah. do just yeah. for your information we have a if you want to call it a virtual um group of elected or at least leaders that we consider and it's called b b w o c and it's bold women of color oh and you know so they would be people like um in, in Buena Park, Liz Gonzalez mm-hmm. is elected, or um, Farrakhan, Khan, yeah. uh, Kim yeah. Nguyen, Deidre, who's running for assembly, um, okay. next door, Michelle Martinez. Uh-huh. And uh, some of it is just very informal chit-chatting. A lot okay. of us, you know, share the similar stories of, um, sure. um, you know, all we, not always, but not feeling uh, that we're treated uh, in the same ways our peers are, you know, not even counting men, um, right, (laughs) right, so, but we've also, um, evolved to, to now working to support each other, just doing little things, you know, whether it's endorsing each other, whether it's, um, yeah. uh, you know, uh, liking each other's stuff on social media, just things right. like that, kind of lifting right. each other up. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, if there is a silver lining with this pandemic, is this virtual meetings are right. so much easier than trying to say, hey, let's all meet at so-and-so's house. Not that right. we won't do that. No, someday, no. But.
0: I, but yeah, it's it's a lot easier. And, and it shows us that we can meet virtually, which is a nice thing to carry on. Yeah.
1: And what I think is another group for you somewhere down the line is there is a group um, in Orange County led, I believe, by Tammy Kim um, in Irvine. She's running for Irvine Council, but it's like mm-hmm. Asian Americans Rising. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Is that a pack or is that a... Um, yeah, and I'm trying to yeah. remember who's... Um,
0: I did the, I, I was invited and they gave us massive numbers of tickets for my students for the Asian oh, American okay. Pacific yeah. Islander Presidential Forum.
1: And yeah. that was,
0: that oh, was co-sponsored. Fun. Yeah, they're us.
1: doing some really good things. Now, we don't have a Latina or Latino version of that in Orange County. Mm-hmm. We d- and uh, so that is still where we lack mm-hmm. on the organization there is a group yeah. in la called latinas lead okay and they are very organized and they do ra- raise money and they do all this stuff we haven't been able to get it off the ground in orange county yeah uh, that's only so much of, bandwidth all right right so yeah. but there is the republican version of that in orange county it's called um orange county's <laughs> top 100 or something like that. Okay, And, you know, so an example of that is that Jesus and I have never been invited to it. It's more of the arm of the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of oh, Commerce. Right. And they also stay within that group and yeah. really, you know, promote one another and sure. so forth. Yeah. So there is groups out there for sure that, that are not just the Republican and Democratic yeah. Party, but they stay within like the Chamber of the Con commerce if you can believe this north orange county chamber of commerce they're doing this thing called she influences oh and they've done it for like they used to have it a whole day like a women's workshop and then because of the pandemic now they're just doing like calls once a week but they've never invited me even to do the flag salute (laughs) let alone be a speaker right Right, because I don't have any influence, obviously. <laughs> clearly, clearly, <laughs> yeah. clearly. Yeah. So you know that's part of the story of being elected, and right. um, you know, there's still work to do for sure. There's but, still but work you're to right do. That it's changed, and there are some real pockets, like one in Park now. Um, I do. They have three. They have three yep. Democrats we're now, in, I yeah. believe. So and, look, we're and looking to get three, we have two right now on the seats. So oh, well, yeah. Nelson. Uh, Fullerton. I mean, imagine this in Fullerton. I, I mean, it's hard to imagine, but I'm willing to imagine. I mean, if you imagine that, uh, Dr. Causey wins, right. which I think it's going to be tough. Jesus, going to be tough. Hey, Ahmad, and then a Rooney and Fred Chum. You'd almost have almost every, I mean, you'd be missing glowing, a woman of course right but right. at least you would have like five different ethnicities and i don't right. know how many languages between right. the five of them right uh, and that that could that could be incredibly dramatic yeah um, no absolutely i'm, I'm a little less confident i think causey would have a chance but now i don't know who's in that race i think they put like four, four dead, four people they're all going to split the vote right and and then Aruni, you know whitaker has a following but and name recognition
0: one, i mean incumbency yeah. is powerful with people not paying attention
1: mm-hmm. yeah but He's usually picked up most of his events when he's run at large. So this right. is the first time he runs in a district. Right. And then I do, I, I'm pretty confident Fred will get there.
0: Yeah. It seems like that's the the, the easiest.
1: Yeah. The easier yeah. out of the other two. Right. So there's some huge, I'm devastated about Jeanette Vasquez. And- I know. I I just, oh. there's too much to talk about on that, but I, there was some real mistreatment of her and someday we can have a coffee about it.
0: I would love to have a coffee about that. I sent her a note because, you know, I'm just so proud of everything she was able to do. And I know, you know, she's going to grad school, so um, yeah. she's got um, some goals and, you know, Jackie Redardo. Someday and the same she's thing. maybe,
1: I think, you know, maybe in the New Year, you sit her down and see if she'll talk with you. Right now, I don't think she would, and it's no. probably not good for her. But someday I will talk to you about it because yeah, it, it just was really unfortunate.
0: Yeah, I mean, I saw um, who was it that posted on social media, just attacking her with such was it Chris t- ch- ch- was it ch-
1: Chris? Ch- yes. Will yeah. you ch- do a favor for me? Will you check to see if he ever took that on? He did. Because I literally called him. He okay. did. Okay. Cause, he we, did. cause I, I, I thought maybe somebody
0: him. had called him cause I screenshotted it because I was horrified and um, just wanted a record of the cruelty that exists in yeah. local politics. Because, you know, sometimes I think, um,
1: uh, you know, uh, well, I fought back on that cause he called I'm me out on it. And he, he also in his mind thought somehow she was leaving because she was getting a big wig job for me. I'm like, what? No, that, you know, but we went back and forth like an hour. Oh. Um, and, and every time he started to scream, cause you know, that's what he does. I know. Oh. Is I said, see, there you go again, Chris. It's been three seconds. He goes, I'm not screaming. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that sounds like screaming. To it me. sounds like screaming. And finally at the end, um, he calmed down and he did become for the first time, somewhat decent. And he said, well, what's going on? And I said, well, you know, it's her personal life and I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm just going to say that if it was your daughter, you wouldn't want, you know, anyhow. He said, all right, then I'll take it down. So I thought, okay, that was decent of him. Yeah. But you also had all your people piling on on it. Right. And Um, and he wrote it in the first place. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. One thing just to kind of keep an eye on because it's so disgusting that it's disgusting is there was a bill that was passed 145 by Scott Wiener is going viral as a pedophile bill that the legislature is allowing pedophiles to, in essence, get off the hook. Um, And this bill says it's okay for a, you know, adult to be with a 10-year-old Which is absolutely not. Um, It's too complicated to explain. Which is one of the reasons I stayed off of it. I didn't vote for it, but I didn't vote against it. Which I hate doing because no matter what, you're kind of in a lose-lose there. I know, but but um, it it doesn't do that. What it does is try to have parity between a heterosexual couple that say maybe the guy is 20 and the girl is right. 17 right and now if that was uh, to be reported the male in that relationship they they could be fined and go to prison because but right the judge could also say no i can see yeah. that this is a relationship but if it's a lgp couple like, say, a yeah. 20-year-old guy with a 17-year-old, that guy goes on the sex registry for life. Wow. For life. So this is trying right, to make clarity that a judge could still right. look at it. it. doesn't say they'd get off. It says a right. judge could still have discretion. But, oh, my gosh, I, my, my, I have people come in on my Facebook saying, thanks oh, for God. voting for that pedophile rape guy. and and, right. oh, and And actually, and it would be good for you to look at it yeah. Because Facebook has actually put a fact check on it, which I'm glad they Good. did. Good. But even with that, people are still not, you know, it's like they're right. still not gonna believe what it is no. even when it's there. And even right. to have because um, it's not a perfect bill at all. And to be honest, oh. it, it it's like, damn it, Wiener, like please, <laughs> not now, but
0: I know. I yeah. know.
1: So it's yeah. like and all it- the Democrats in Orange County support pedophiles. Right. Which right. just goes into there, that. There's, whole, a cu- there's
0: a couple bills that, that are, um, you know, introduced by folks in really safe districts where I'm like, oh, yeah.
1: oh, wait, um, could we yeah. wait until after the election? No, they never do. And, and you know, it just feeds into that QAnon um, whole thing that Democrats Thanks. are trafficking kids. Right. and Right. Yes. Tom on and on. right. Right. So. I cannot
0: thank you enough for being uh, my guest. And uh, thank you so much. This is a slice of orange on North Orange County politics.